Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday night edition of FAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, here with the usual cast, uh, Thomas Watts, the wizard. Uh, he is with us uh, and uh, has done a, does a great job, as always, uh, with uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, keeping us, uh, the, keeping the uh, boat in the water, as they say, and does a great job producing the show. Also, uh, he, he uh, is extremely football knowledgeable. He had some outstanding you know, takes on the first game a week ago. We'll certainly get his thoughts tonight. Also, our third amigo is with us as usual. And, of course, he is a former uh, national champion in 1992 and from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide of Alabama. And that is the William Redfish Barger. William, uh, how you doing tonight on this Sunday? Uh, I hope you had a good football weekend so far. Man, I did. You know, I'm not uh... – monitoring the the sunday stuff on on the nfl level like you and thomas are but certainly yesterday was you know a great day got to you know kick it off by watching mississippi state at kansas state and then you know uh you know primarily watched alabama but did flip it back and forth some and watched georgia south carolina but the really kind of the highlight of my day was was watching the uh clemson texas a&m game last night i've had a lot of people you know, giggle at me under their breath over the last two years, um, you know, for, for being not, not as impressed as most people are with that Clemson defense. And, uh, you know, I realize they've got some really uh, talented guys on their defensive line. You know, they may all end up being first rounders. I don't know, but they don't produce um, in the production categories that I view a defensive lineman at. And uh, yeah, I thought their secondary was garbage last year, and it may be worse this year. Yeah, they. Um, so it, it yeah. was. They, I thought they were really exposed last night, Drew, um, by a, uh, you know, a guy that couldn't stay on the field last year as the quarterback for Texas A&M and Kellen Mond. Yeah, they were very fortunate to escape 28-26. Uh, you know, a very a close call late in that game where uh, Texas A&M fumbled the football and. And uh, they they called it uh, through the end zone instead of out of bounds at the one, and so uh, they ended up losing a heartbreaker at home in Aggieland. But certainly, as you said, Kellen Mond, I think 423 yards passing, so he certainly took steps forward, no question about that. And then uh, 31 to 10, Kansas State uh, takes it on the chin from Mississippi State. Uh, what's been the surprise so far from Mississippi State the first couple of weeks, William? Is uh, Kylan Hill? He had 211 yards rushing yesterday. And Eris Williams is coming off a thousand-yard season, and wow, man! I mean, Kylan Hill looks like the real deal. Yeah, and uh, you know they may need to rely on that that running game a little bit. I thought that uh, you know throughout his career, I thought that uh, um, Fitzgerald's been a pretty efficient quarterback. At, you know, maybe fifteen yards back to the line of scrimmage with passes. But I felt he's always struggled being accurate down the field with passes, mm-hmm. and that, that showed right. up yesterday again. And, and you know, um, you know, the guy's coming off of a real traumatic injury. I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, pay a whole lot of, of, of uh, attention to that. Much like, you know, a lot of these damn psycho bammers that we have to deal with, they, they're about ready to fire Nick over the kicker, the punter, the quarterback <laughs> rotation, and a uh, subpar defense. So you know, it, it happens everywhere. Yeah, it does. And and then, of course, Georgia, they were very impressive in the second half against South Carolina. And I didn't get a chance to see the game. I was in Tuscaloosa, William, but I certainly saw the highlights, and I know you were turning it back and forth. It looked like an old-school 2008 
once again, Nick Saban game plan. Looks like Georgia just bloodied the nose and wore down South Carolina. Well, you know, Drew, I never bought into the, and I don't understand why a lot of the experts thought that that game was going to be close. Right. Um, you know, Georgia's got a much more talented roster than South Carolina does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, I, I, you know, one thing I did find interesting, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, the the five-star true freshman cornerback Tyson Campbell gave up the only two touchdowns that South Carolina scored. Uh, but like we've seen at Alabama, you know, you, you've got to put those guys out there and throw them into the fire before they're going to get better and learn. But kind of a rough day for Tyson Campbell. But, um, you know, Georgia's a talented team, no doubt. Um, I still don't see a lot of elite players, just like last year, in the front seven of, of their defense on that side of the football. They've got some good guys, but just not a lot of difference makers, especially on the, the interior of their defensive line. Um, so, you know, I think as this month progresses, as we get, you know, this coming weekend and next weekend, I think you'll probably start to see, much like I, I agree with a lot of the national experts, um, you know, I think the preseason polls, um, you know, are kind of worthless. I think by October 1st, you can kind of have a pretty educated opinion, you know, on who the top four teams need to be. And we'll probably have that figured out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, and, and I wanted to, to transition into Alabama. Of course, they win 57-7 to over Arkansas State. I, I almost hit the score. I said 56-14. And, of course, Alabama held Arkansas State at the goal line late in the game. Arkansas State missing a short field goal and not able to punch it in from the one. Uh, but I thought it was a good thing. I know there are people, you're right, complaining about the defense, which scratches. I kind of scratch my head at it because – I mean, they, the the ones held Arkansas State to to one TD, and when you when you take into account this team has, uh, you know, almost an entirely new defensive coaching staff, uh, and Tosh Lupoi is in a different role, and then so many young guys, including starters like a Dylan Moses, who is really impressive, but you know is still only in his infancy as a starter, and even Mac Wilson, who's really been a situational player now starting. Uh, but I just thought overall for the first two games that the defense has played pretty well over as a, as a unit considering the youth and the coaching turnover. What have been your thoughts on the defense as we've seen them the first couple of weeks? Well, I'll add one more guy there into you who, who's sure. really, you know, kind of the star um, as far as the pass rusher last year in Raekwon Davis. He's gotten mm-hmm. out of the gate slow this year. Yeah, And yeah. that's why I try and tell people, um, they're starting to see it play out a little bit on the other side of the football. I tried telling people, you know, not to get romanticized by Alex Leatherwood coming off the bench uh, last year in relief of Jonah Williams. There's a much bigger difference, and I'll relate this back to Raekwon Davis in a minute. There's a much bigger difference in coming off the bench as a backup in, in an injury relief type role versus having to prepare yourself for five days a week as a starter. And, uh, you know, you're seeing that play out a little bit with Leatherwood early on. I think you're seeing it play out with Raekwon a little bit early on. But it's just game two. Um, and I totally agree with what you said. A new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, four new coaches on defense. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, there's really only one statistical category that counts on defense, Drew, and that's points given up per game. And after two games, they're only giving up ten and a half points per game. Um, that would be around, you know, seven and a half or eight without the, you know, the penalty that extended that drive versus Louisville that gave them that cheap touchdown. So I think the defense is right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, certainly uh, I can understand the frustration on, on the, you know, the field goal kicker. Um, it's been since the first game of my junior year in high school in 1987 since I've seen two extra points missed in a game. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I expect both of us to be the, 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 the place kicker and field goal kicker going forward um, after what happened on Saturday. And, you know, for all the people that are complaining about the punter, did you, ex- did you really expect the punting not to take a step back uh, after the loss of J.K. Scott? I mean, that's just common sense. Um, And, you know, Drew, I I think it's, you know, you can take a snapshot of of the Alabama fan base and kind of apply it to society today as a whole. Everybody seems to get a lot more pleasure out of pointing out the negative and the failures and the toe-stubbing versus celebrating someone that's trying to do the best that they can and celebrating their successes. And, you know, some of these Alabama fans and football fans in general, I'm not just pointing the finger at Alabama fans. Um, you know, I hope you can find pleasure in other aspects of your personal life because I, I don't see a lot of people that find pleasure the, the way that I do in watching an Alabama football game on Saturday. Um, you know, I guess I'm still, uh, you know, trying to get over 12 years later, trying to get over my post-traumatic uh, uh, shock syndrome from the Mike Shulair. Um I just don't find a whole lot to complain and bitch about about a Nick Saban coach football team. Well, I, I, I'm concerned about a couple of things, including the punter, but hopefully he will improve. Uh, you certainly can't just give up on people. And I agree with you. I mean, the silver lining with, and, and I was, I've been as surprised as anybody after watching him in scrimmage work and hearing about what he was doing in practice uh, that, uh, uh, that Austin Jones has struggled, but the silver lining is what uh, Bulavas did yesterday. I mean, I thought he kicked off well for the second straight game, and and then he drilled a 39-yard field goal and he made all his extra points. So uh, even though Austin Jones had you know some struggling moments and and it's, and probably lost the job, I thought it was big for uh, uh, Bulavas to gain some confidence and come in there and, and uh, kick well. Well, and again, I'll say this about Austin Jones. I'm not ready to, to shut the, 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 the book cover on him either. Right. And there is a there is a much, much bigger difference in playing football or being a kicker at Temple University than Alabama uh, versus yeah. versus having to you know operate in the pressure cooker that's Alabama football. It's night and day. I mean, you, you might as well say uh, that, that you know, he's been playing high school football for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, I think a good Hoover point. High School could. I think Hoover High School could give, could give Temple a good game. Well, you know the thing is, uh, you might need him later in the year for some longer attempts. I've seen him drill yep. one from uh, 55 plus that would have been good in the, from six over 60. So certainly, it's not ready to give up on Austin Jones. But uh, I'll give a game ball to uh, Joe Bulavas, and he's probably going to be the kicker going forward at least for a while. But. Uh, some some good moments from him yesterday. Certainly some concern over Skyward DeLong, uh, but only two games in. Needs to really pick it up. That and the consistency of the offensive line. But like you said, uh, you know they've got guys four new uh, four new guys. Uh, you know uh, four guys starting in new places. Pardon me. Uh, Jonah Williams, the only one uh, being you know in the uh, in the same place from a year ago. But I also hearken back to this. I do think. That, that the Alabama offensive line has got to get more consistent. Nick Saban talked about it yesterday, wanted him to get more consistent in the running game. But this is not something that's, that's been unusual. I Remember, the uh, we know how 
ballyhoo the 2012 offensive line is and how good it ended up being. But I think you remember that game against Western Kentucky, the second game of the year, and I think they gave up eight sacks. And D.J. Fluker played terribly, and uh, they picked it up going forward. Well, that, that's that's what I harp on a lot, Drew, and, and uh, you know, something for everybody to think about. You know, uh, out of those eight sacks, D.J. Fluker gave up five of them. Right. And seven months later, he was a top-12 draft pick. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's a concern, but, you know, it shouldn't be as big of a concern as people are worried about, you know, in week two. Um, I don't think they're going to get much of a test from, from old Miss's front seven. Now, they will get a test two weeks from now um, against Texas A&M. That's going to kind of, you know, they struggled against that front seven last year. But um, there's a different, different dynamic behind them. Um, you know, at the quarterback position, um, you're going to see a lot of those game plans aren't going to be able to be utilized. I mean, that's the only chance an opposing defensive coordinator has to even slow down somebody as dynamic as Tua Tonga Bailoa is to run blitz, uh, you know, bring heat. Um, you know, you know, outside of, of Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn, there isn't a team on the schedule that can get consistent pressure on Tua by just bringing four guys. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, they're having to be creative. They're having to stunt. They're having to run blitz. You know, they're having to bring, you know, corner and safety blitzes on passing downs. And, yeah, they've got to get that cleaned up. You know, a, a guy that's as big and as physical as Najee Harris has got to get better at the running back position um, in pass pro. Got a holding call yesterday which I'd rather him get that than, you know, having somebody get a clean shot on Tua. Um, I'll take that all day long from the running back and the, the line the line spots. But, um, you know, and, and that's why the coaching staff has leaned on Damian Harris as being the starter um, for the last couple of years because he is very clean and thorough in that aspect of his game and pass pro and, and blitz pickup. So, you know, it's, it's a growing process. And then again, um, you know, I'm not dinging Najee for that play. I'd, I'd rather him tackle that guy. But, man, you know, he, he had a great performance carrying the football yesterday. You know, you saw Josh Jacobs continue to, uh, uh, you know, get his feet under him and, and excel as not only just a running back but a threat out of the backfield in the passing game. And, you know, you heard uh, Andre Ware, you know, talk about that over and over again. What a unique weapon. Uh, Joshua Jacobs is back there in the Alabama backfield. You know, could start for a lot of other schools uh, throughout the country as a running back. But, you know, he's kind of a dual-threat guy. You know, albeit he's built a little bit different and has a different skill set. But, you know, I think he's the, you know, kind of the Alvin Kamara of that backfield. He's a very dynamic and and versatile player. I really love how he's developing his receiver out out of the backfield, William. I thought he was dynamic yesterday in that role. Oh, absolutely. Drew, when he's been 100% healthy, um, you know, I think he's been that same player since he's been at Alabama. Unfortunately, he's you know been on that Brody Crawl plane and his body's <laughs> failed him multiple times. But when he's healthy, I mean, he's as good of a, what I would call a utility back in the country. Yeah, he had three catches for 23 yards, but you would have thought he had more than that. He. He, uh, he was very dynamic, helped move the chains, uh, was, ran the football some. Najee Harris, of course, had his first 100-yard game, 13 rushes, 135 yards, and a touchdown. We saw Damian Harris. I thought he had a very good drive to open the third quarter, just the, the, the fumble from 
Jalen Hurts, which that can't happen. I, I just felt like Jalen should have slid down, and, and then they, I think they finished that drive because I really thought, uh, even though I didn't like the quarterback rotation, I really thought Jalen played well. I thought, uh, you know, he that drive was brilliant. I thought he threw the ball well. I thought they ran it. I liked the tempo. I liked it all. I just didn't like the fumble uh, because I thought uh, the offensive line was starting to get a rhythm too, and Damian ended up with 12 carries for 61 yards in the game. So uh, this stuff, but I, I just felt like that, that hurt him a little bit there, but I still thought overall uh, that Jalen played uh, with a good rhythm uh, and, and played well, though it just sort of surprised me. What, what, what was your thoughts on the quarterback rotation? Certainly Tua uh, had another very efficient game through four touchdowns. Were you surprised that, uh, that, uh, that, he, that once again they went with the same rotation that they did against Louisville, or was that something you were expecting? No, I mean, that's what I've been saying, Drew, ever since it was obvious that Tua was going to win the job, is, you know, especially early on. Um, and I think it'll probably play this, you know, play out versus Old Miss. Now, after seeing Texas A&M, I've always kind of felt like A&M, you know, if y'all will go back and remember what we've talked about all summer, A&M's always kind of been the, the D-Day for me on that, that rotation changing. But I, I, I'd be surprised this Saturday – um, especially with how bad Ole Miss's defense is, right. that you don't see Jay, that you, you know, that you don't see Jalen on the fourth series like you've seen him this past week in versus Louisville. Um, you know, I think he'll probably get you know one or two series in the first half, and you know maybe play the the latter half of the third quarter, and then you know Mac Jones comes in. You know, my only complaint is this, and, and I get it. You know, you got to get defense. You're trying to protect the lead, but. You know, if you're going to try and develop Mac Jones as the third guy, you've got to let him run at least a portion of the offense. Right, and um, let him throw. I agree. Let let it let him throw. Um, you know, don't just hand the ball off first and second down, and then you know ask him to perform a miracle on third down. You know, let him roll out on first down. Uh, you know, throw some intermediate short routes and stuff, and get him get him comfortable. Um, but you know, that being said, I, I've been very very pleased with the. Um, kind of dual-headed monster that Nick's created with uh, Mike Loxley and Dan Enos. Um, I think that the the play that you saw yesterday, even though it wasn't – I mean, look, I'm not sitting here and I'm not trying to say that Arkansas State is Georgia um, or Clemson, but I think they could give Vanderbilt or, or uh, uh, you know, some of these lower-level SEC teams some problems. They were a very – I think they had the 12th best offense in college football last year. Certainly can play their um, Arkansas in their own state. <laughs> that, that, that's right. That's right. And, and you know, look, um, I, I, I felt like this was how Nick was going to handle the quarterback situation going all the way through. Look, there's no doubt um, who the starting quarterback is. And I'll, I'll point out to yesterday, um, you know, if Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa have a pre-choreographed celebration routine amongst each other, those two cats are handling the quarterback rotation a little bit better than you are, Drew. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, and that's, and that's not a shot. Hey, and that's not a shot at you. I'm just having fun with you. Look, they've got so much talent uh, on that offensive side of the football, and you know, maybe this is the year for the first time in, in, in the last twelve that, that maybe the offense has to carry the defense to a certain extent and outscore some people. Um, but, but I can promise you this, um, those, those first uh, 11 guys that, that start in the unit, um, and I agree with Andre Ware, it's time to add Jalen Waddle in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they can do pretty much what they want to against who they're going to play up until the month of November. Well, and certainly uh, Jalen Waddle wasn't as involved in the offense, which I was surprised about. Uh, and and I, and I got to give a, a huge shout out to Arkansas State's punter, William. If he's not in the NFL, I'll be shocked. Uh, he was as good as I've seen in Bryant Denny Stadium from an opposing uh, team, uh, it, probably since I've been going to games the last several years. His hang time was unreal. His, uh, of course, the distance. He really uh, just uh, totally neutralized Waddle as a returner. We didn't see Waddle too much on those, as we were saying uh, before. Uh, but certainly uh, got to give Arkansas State credit for that. But uh, I will say this, too. I didn't like the quarterback rotation simply because I didn't have a problem with Jalen playing. I was surprised. I thought they might hold him out because of the red shirt deal. But if he wants to play, that's fine. I just thought that they probably should have gone with two of the whole first half and then Jalen the whole third quarter into the fourth and then play Mac Jones and, like you said, let Jones throw as well. Let them all run the offense uh, to, uh, you know, the two, you know, it, it, you know, it, to a degree, you know, uh, run the run and, uh, and just uh, don't don't, you know, don't just take the air out of the ball. Just let them play. Uh, but that, that's Coach Saban's decision. And certainly Alabama still played well. As I said, I'm not going to take anything away from Jalen Hurts. I didn't like the lost fumble, but I certainly thought he threw the ball very well. I mean, he was seven of nine, uh, a couple of touchdowns. And, I, and, uh, and they were able to get the running game going a little bit with him in there. But I still thought Tua was exceptional. I thought, you know, Jerry Judy had a spectacular game. I mean, a couple of touchdowns, 87 yards receiving for him. Uh, and we saw Henry Ruggs get into the end zone uh, for the first time. And Devontae Smith, he spread the football around. And I'm just worried about him being wanting to get him into a rhythm and being consistent. Because, But you may be right. I mean, they might be able to handle, you know, the Ole Miss Rebels the same way they've done the other two opponents. Ole Miss worries me a little bit because of their explosive offense and the points they can put up. Uh, but I do think eventually he's going to have to go to a one-quarterback deal, probably going to be uh, no later than A&M. But I'll be, I'll, I'll be I'll be very interested to see if they can handle Ole Miss that way this weekend. Ole Miss, certainly I agree with you. I don't think they're very good on defense, obviously, after the first couple of weeks. But certainly, uh, you know, offensively they're very, very potent. That, I'm going to be interested to see how Alabama's defense plays against them because I, I'm like you. I'm not down on the defense. I've been surprised at some of the fans' reaction uh, to the defensive performance when you consider how many new guys they have on the field. And I really think, and I, don't, I want to get your thoughts on this, I think the secondary for having all new guys has really played well. Xavier McKinney, to me, was exceptional yesterday. I got a chance to speak to him after the game. And he really seems like a kid with a, and I've already heard this, a very high football IQ. And he told me straight up he thought he was going to house that uh, that screen on the interception. And to me, you don't make that kind of play without being very instinctive and watching a lot of film. And I've just been really impressed with Xavier McKinney, who had a team-high seven tackles. He, he wasn't able to pull it off like my boy Rudy Langham did in the 1992 <laughs> SEC championship game. You're right, yeah. But that's exactly what that play reminded me of. He knew it was coming. He jumped the route, and, you know, uh, you know, you know, he, he didn't quite have the hand-eye hand coordination to pull it off. But, you know, Drew, the, the stat that jumps off the page at me, and, you know, I, I think Ole Miss, worst-case scenario, might be able to put, put up somewhere between 24 and 30 points on this defense. Right. But when I saw that a team like Southern Illinois 
was able to rush for 250 yards against them. Wow, that is pretty, you know, that's pretty bad. I, I don't know how many opportunities they're going to have to have scoring drives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if Alabama gets up on them, you know, 21 points in the first quarter, which is very feasible, um, you could see that third quarter um, out of Alabama's offense that you saw, you know, when, when Najee Harris, you know, got the bulk of his 100-yard 100, 100 game. Um, you know, against Ole Miss, along with the other Alabama running backs. But I, I totally agree with you, Drew, and I think that's something that was harped on, um, you know, since the, the last whistle blew against Georgia. It was, oh, my God, they lost their whole defensive backfield. It's going to be a huge liability. And, you know, I realize that these first two games were scheduled long ago, but I, I do think they were scheduled. Uh, you know, back during the, the period where Nick Saban and second and Kirby Smart were struggling to figure out how to stop and Hugh Freeze and Old Miss's offense. So, you know, a huge strategic, um, you know, kudos to, I guess at the time, Nick Saban and Bill Battle for pulling these first two teams off. You know, both schools had quarterbacks that could throw. They both had big, tall, wide receivers, which is going to be a nice little segue into Old Miss. Um, but, yeah, I think that's been the biggest surprise to me is not only – and, yeah, they've given up some crossing routes and stuff, but I put that more on Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses than I do the DBs. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of guys back there. You know, not only is Xavier McKinney emerging, you know, so is Shaheen Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see that absolutely breathtaking Patrick Sertain, uh, you know, playing more and more. Um, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts back there, and I think they're all playing at a pretty high. You saw Savion Smith, you know, contribute to the scoreboard Saturday. Um, so, you know, to me right now, um, you know, I feel like the, the, the delinquency on defense is at the linebacker position. Um, you know, I, I have not really seen a whole heck of a lot of production from Christian Miller through two games. Um, you know, certainly the loss of, of Terrell Lewis, and Chris Allen is being felt with the pass rush. And, uh, you know, I think they really need to try and play, you know, some of those younger guys to develop some depth. Now, you, I didn't see it out of them versus Louisville, uh, but, I, but I saw a Noma um, who still looks lost at times. I saw him flash a couple of times with explosive ability. Um, he didn't necessarily finish. He missed a sack. Uh, but that kid, for somebody that was a, the number one player in the country, uh, last year on the defensive side of the football. He's a high-effort, high-motor guy. Um, you know, you see him chasing after plays from the backside over and over again, which I think is something that can be, you know, built on and coached up. So, you know, I just see a lot of positives there. Um, but, you know, where they, can't, where they can't afford to absorb any more blows, um, you know, is at the linebacker positions, both inside right. and outside. That's, that's, that's the deficiency on that defense right now. They – um, are missing Terrell Lewis, especially in the pass rush part of the defense, a lot more than I thought they would. Yeah, they're missing him, and certainly the pass rush has got to pick it up. But And, uh, you know, people have to understand, uh, Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses, Reggie Ragland and and, uh, and Reuben Foster, it took them a while to master those inside linebacker spots. And so both those kids are, are, are still learning and hopefully will get better. Uh, going to be interesting to see how they play in that hostile environment at Ole Miss, but I still think Alabama's going to drop half a hundred on them. But it's just going to be how many stops can this defense get, 
and uh, can they make enough plays uh, for Alabama to win comfortably? You would think so, but still, Ole Miss very potent. Jordan Tiamu, great quarterback, and then they've got A.J. Brown, uh, T.K. Metcalf, and uh, Demarcus Lodge. So they've got some good players, but I think you still got to favor heavily Alabama uh, in that situation, no doubt about it. But, uh, again, uh, I think still there's not too much to be down on. Uh, there's some concerns. No, and, but and, 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 go ahead. And before I forget, no, just real quick, before I forget, you mentioned an A.J. Brown, and I'm not trying to compare right. this kid at all. This is more about Tua than, than Derek Keith. Uh, mm. But I thought the pass that threw a, uh, Tua threw in the corner of the end zone to Derek Keith was his best pass yesterday. Yeah, that was a world, very world class pro throw. throw. Yes, it was no doubt. It was on third down, uh, and it was a 14-yard BB. And good job by Derek Keith to get both feet in, William. I think that throw that would have been good in the NFL. It, 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 uh, it was, but you got to go back and watch that play again. Tua was under big time pressure. Yes, and, and was able to put that football in a window that I don't think anybody else in college football right now could do. Well, and I, you're, I know you're good friends with Chase Goodbread. He he fought. He uh, he pointed that out in a tweet yesterday from Bryant Denny Stadium. He said that uh, you know that Tua is a unique talent because even though uh, you know you can uh, you know the, it pressures in his face, he he never looks rattled. He never hurries, and he always keeps his head up. And he said, now sometimes his lower half doesn't look you know textbook, but he still delivers throws. And wow, that you're right. That could have arguably been his best throw yesterday. And the fifth-year senior, Derek Keefe, with his second touchdown of his career uh, as he uh, closed out the scoring uh, under uh, Tua Tungavaloa, his last drive. So uh, it was a great throw, great catch. And, and I, go ahead. And I think something else, you know, maybe his footwork isn't the best when he, uh, uh, you know, scrambles and rolls around. I don't know too many quarterbacks that do have textbook footwork when that's, not, you know, when the pocket's collapsing around them. But I'll tell you what his footwork is, lower half Israel textbook at. And that's taking off and running. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, he he has he is he has bailed that offensive line out on some subpar pass pro in both the first two ball games. Mm-hmm. Picked up first downs. You know, showed very good field awareness. Um, you know, I, I don't know if him and Najee Harris, you know, play Xbox at night and they they <laughs> figured out, but both of them seem to have uh, you know the same shucking and jiving movements to. Uh, you know, cause people to miss them. It's, it's really uncanny. Well, I was, I was watching the replay of the game this morning, and that was one of the first things that jumped out to me is, um, and, you know, there's so many people that are worried about, um, you know, Tua getting hurt, and, and I don't think they've ever stood close enough to the young man to figure out. Although he's probably two or three inches shorter than Najee Harris, if you put both of them on a scale, I bet you they weigh within five pounds of each other. He's a very powerfully built uh, young man from the waist down, very big ass, eyes, very thick, very powerful, and very explosive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, I do think he's a tough kid, no doubt about it, and uh, he's, he's played exceptional football uh, for the first two games, and, uh, you know, he's he's uh, got, I believe now, uh, he's uh, got uh, six touchdown passes, uh, no interceptions uh, for Tua Tungvaloa, uh, as uh, he uh, yesterday, he was extremely efficient again, 13 of 19, 228 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. As we said, Jalen Hurts, 7 of 9, 93 yards, two touchdowns of his own. Also, Tua rushes four times for officially uh, 20 yards. 
uh, and Jalen Hurts five rushes for 32. So both of them you, were able. Won't you, won't you toss? Won't you toss Tua's uh, third down conversion ratio out there? Oh yeah, that's the biggest stat that sets him apart. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and William and the and the brilliant thing about it, you, you just brought up one of those, which was the one to Derek Key for 14 yards. But most of them have been double digit third downs as far as yards to get, and he is 10 of 10 in two games, 207 yards. Uh, and uh, and four touchdowns, just an unbelievable ratio there. And, and you know, and I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, look, look, besides the arm talent, besides the progressions, you know, besides all the other differences that separate him between Jalen Hurts, that's the most important one right there. Is what he's able to do, and whether it's there or not, whether he manufactures it with throwing a receiver open or picking it up on his own, that's the difference to me between the two quarterbacks, is, you know, the, the most important down of an offensive possession is, you know, you've got to convert those third downs to move the chains to get an opportunity to either kick at a score or, or run or throw at a score. And, and that's what's separating him right now. That's what's got him, you know, that ungodly QBR rating is, is what he does when it's, you know, third and whatever. Um, he makes it happen. Yeah, he certainly does, and uh, he's been tremendous uh, uh, early in the season for Alabama, and we'll have uh, their biggest test coming up at Oxford, Mississippi against the Rebels. It'll be a 6 o'clock kickoff uh, against I Ole Miss. I got a question for you real quick. It just it just hit me. Sure. Um, did Hell Hinches play yesterday? He did. He did. I, was, uh, I saw him early in warm-ups, and he was out on offense, and then he came out on kickoff return as well. Uh, he did play in the game. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, there was a rumor about an injury scare with him uh, and uh, with a shoulder, but uh, he certainly played. The only injuries in the game, and one was just extremely unfortunate and freakish in, in uh, pregame warm-ups. It's been confirmed today by Matt Zenitz of AL.com, the sports writer of the year in the state of Alabama, but it was really speculated heavily. Nick Saban thought that's the way it was going. Jalen Armour Davis, the freshman defensive back from St. Paul's of Mobile, tore his ACL in pregame warmups and is out for the year. Will redshirt. Coach Saban said he had, he had he was the fifth corner on the team, was improving. Very disappointed that he got hurt in such a freakish way. Uh, and then also uh, the uh, the other injury, and it was minor, was uh, Isaiah Bugs went out toward uh, you know in the uh, around the middle of the football game. He ended up with a retwisting his ankle, uh, and they decided not to play him. They could have easily played him in the game, uh, but uh, Coach Saban said he had twisted it against Louisville and then retwisted it in that game. They had a huge lead. They were up 40 to nothing near the end of the first half, so they didn't want to take any chances, so Isaiah Bugs did not play. But he came to the interview room and talked to reporters uh, and seemed fine, so Isaiah Bugs should be okay. The only severe injury happened before the game, and that was to Jalen Armour Davis. Yeah, no, that's the reason I was asking about Hinches, if there was an injury involved there, because if there's not, you know, it appears to me at least um, that Irv Smith may have overtaken that, that starting tight end job. I mean, you're starting to see him. Yeah, he's been uh, dynamic as a receiver. You're right. He's really yeah. been good. On the field all the time, uh, you know, two games in a row where he's had multiple catches. Uh, I was just kind of curious about that. I mean, you can't. And another question I'll ask you. Um, I know you were down there yesterday, but I, I've rewound it and watched it 10 different times. 
and I cannot find any camera evidence that proves to me that Jalen Waddle ever touched the football on that muff punt return. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're talking about the one that Devontae Smith recovered. Uh, but yes. yeah, you're right. You're right. It looks strange. It looked like the ball went right through his freaking hands and never touched yeah. a part of his body to me. Yeah. I will say this, being in the press box and I was watching it with my binoculars, when you looked at what happened to Jalen Waddle in that play, he did turn around to the official and shake and put his hands up. He was like, look, you know, I didn't touch it. <laughs> no matter That's what it looked like to me. I mean, again, because it was the, you know, the, the, the C team ESPN broadcast, you never got the one camera angle on it. Right. Right. It sure looked like it went right through his, his, you know, shoulder and his hands and never touched a part of his body. Because I can tell you he told that to the official because I, I wondered, because at first I thought, did he fumble it? But you're right. It didn't look like the ball redirected, and he just he turned to the official, and he's like, hey, you know, I didn't touch that. But luckily Devontae yeah. Smith was Johnny on the spot and, and recovered it, and it wasn't a turnover. But uh, certainly – the rest of the game, uh, Waddle was kind of neutralized, but that's he's a young freshman. He's going to make a lot of plays, and and I just well, no, give, no, go ahead. No, and I know you. You've already you've already bragged on him once, and my my backup to uh, what you were saying earlier about the Arkansas uh, Arkansas State punter. Oh. is there any way we can get him as a grad transfer in, yeah, in, in December? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people joking about that. I mean, that dude, he was hitting bombs, and he had unbelievable hang time. And just, I got to give him a lot of credit. You got to credit the other team. They just totally stymied Alabama's return game. And uh, certainly Alabama didn't do much in that regard. But uh, they certainly still won very comfortably 57-7 to uh, and played a lot. Of, I was happy because, as I told some folks, th- this game was kind of a microcosm of the season. This is going to be an Alabama offense that's going to put up huge numbers. They need to play as many young defensive players as possible. And I was glad to see a lot of those young kids get on the field. I will say I got a chance to go on field level, William, and watch the last four, five, six minutes and seeing him uh, on the field up close. Uh, and he has a tremendous talent. But then you, when you see him physically, you understand how that Yabi and Noma really needs to get in that weight room. He, he's a talent. He was playing hard. But he looks like a basketball player. And, and he will play more as the year goes on. He just got to get in that weight room, man. You see it up close, definitely, when you're down there on the field. Yeah, and, you know, and, and Tosh has got to spend more time with him. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I saw a couple of times where, he, you know, he beat the left tackle mm-hmm. um, off the snap with his initial burst, which he's going to do that to a lot of people. But he's got to get better with his, you know, with his hand technique, and he's got to learn a spin move. And, you know, all that stuff can be taught. You know, what what – what made him the number one defensive player in the country, you know, can't be taught. And that's, you know, an elite first step. And, and you know, like what you said, um, you know, when the play goes away from him, he doesn't give up on it. He, you know, he's balls to the wall, chasing it from the backside. Um, you know, a guy that I didn't even notice in the, uh, uh, the replay that was credited with a, uh, a quarterback pressure was Cameron Latu in the stats. So, oh, yeah. You know, they, they snuck him in there. Um, you know, for the second week in a row. And, you know, he made something happen in, in limited reps. So, um, you know, I'd love to see uh, – I was a little bit disappointed um, that you didn't get to see any of, of Jalen Moody and, and Cahoe, uh, you know, at inside linebacker. I think that's something, 
that they've got to do. They may not be able to do it. Well, they should be able to do it against Ole Miss, but they may not be able to afford to do it against uh, at Texas A&M. But, um, you know, they got to start developing those two guys. Obviously, the plan is to play both of them with their roles on special teams. Um, you know, they, they, they both probably could use a year in the fourth quarter program. But, you know, with, with the injuries to, uh, you know, Allen and Miller, I mean, uh, Allen and uh, Lewis, um, you know, they may need to just go ahead and, you know, have a plan for those guys. But, um, you know, I, I just thought it was, a you know, second week in a row, a really good game, um, you know, in all facets, maybe the, you know, special teams. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the extra point kicking was, wasn't good. Um, you know, the, the – um, you know, the return game wasn't that great. But, you know, I think, you know, between Jeff Banks and Nick Saban, you know, scheming and, and coaching people hard in those, those aspects of the, the special teams game, that'll come. And, and you know, it's just week two. Uh, you know, we're still very early in the season. And, uh, you know, they're playing a lot of young guys. You know, let's don't forget, uh, you know, the guy that you mentioned um, that, that recovered that, you know, whether it was a whiff or not on Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith's just a, a sophomore. Yes, yes, um, as is Jerry Judy. Yep. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Najee Harris, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, you know, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's the, you know, the thing that's, you know, really going to probably separate this program between the rest of them in the next two to three years it is just how elite and special that 2017 recruiting class actually was. Yeah, it really is. It's, it was tremendous. And I want to bring uh, Thomas Watson into the conversation. Uh, we got some outstanding thoughts from him uh, last week and get his take on what he saw of this game in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, it was, uh, you know, Alabama really took control early and was up 40 to nothing, really, it seemed like, in a flash of lightning. Uh, but to Thomas, uh, what were your thoughts uh, from the Crimson Tide and what you saw uh, on Saturday afternoon? But okay, the first thing to get thoughts about the game uh, yesterday is to kind of contextualize what Arkansas State is. Arkansas State last year won the Sun Belt. Yeah, winning the Sun Belt. You know, you're not going to win any you know awesome number one playoff team awards for winning the Sun Belt, but it's a decent football team. It's a decent football team with that had an excellent offense last year and brought a ton back with a fifth-year senior quarterback. And Alabama chewed him up and spit him out. There's, there's no other way to put it. So with that context in, let's talk about what we saw, or rather what I saw. Uh, the Alabama offense, you know, it, you can't really bash it when – Alabama's up, you know, 21 nothing or 19 to nothing. Oh, when what seems like an eye blink. And I think Andre Ware actually did a good job highlighting that Arkansas State did there were opportunities there, but Arkansas State was not able to take advantage of them either because of the pass rush or simply missing plays. So, you know, it it feels like another one of those games where Nick Saban got a lot of stuff in. I was actually watching the Nick Saban show uh, before we decided to record. And, you know, Nick Saban had did his whole, you know, partially shit-eating grin look when he talked about the twos having their, uh, having their, their goal line stand. So, you know, players got to play. 
Nick Saban has stuff to teach, and Alabama continued to grow and look better and better. The thing that really gets me, and it's it's very rare that I'll take fans to task, but I have made the mistake of getting into multiple group text messages, so watching a football game generally makes me want to throw my cell phone across a room because it just explodes with people talking. Fans, like, I've had guys be like, well, Patrick Sertain's struggling. I'm like, um, guys, Patrick Sertain has played two football games as a collegiate athlete. Yes, he's a five-star player. Yes, he has all the athletic ability in the world. Yes, he's probably going to be another in the long line of Nick Saban great defensive backs. But he's played two games. Let's let's pump the brakes on chewing on Patrick Sertain. Let's pump the brakes on chewing on much of anything outside of special teams because, well, you got to have something to chew on, and special teams has officially gotten back to Jesus take the wheel, the specialists are on the field again. But, <laughs> you know... Overall, good win. You know, the offense does get better. I I wish that Nick Saban would give someone a straight answer as to why the quarterbacks are coming in the way they are. He never will. But, you know, I can dream. Because, and here's my concern. If you notice, the Clemson Tigers did something very similar to what Alabama has done over the past two games against the Texas A&M Aggies. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, Sunshine, which the name he apparently hates, so, you know, of course, whenever he gets – letting that be known is is not a good idea, but, you know, know, God bless you, kid. You're going to get called that for the rest of your career until you cut your hair. But anywho, he came in. He threw one pass that T. Higgins really bailed him out on. It was a long touchdown. And then this quarterback rotation thing happened, and Clemson couldn't get into an offensive rhythm, and it kind of happened in fits and starts, and Texas A&M was hanging around. And they hung around, and, you know, I feel like, based off looking at that game, Texas A&M deserved to win, but the number of critical mistakes they made precluded that situation. And I don't think you could have said that you know, even four hours before kickoff. Everyone thought that Clemson was going to come in and crush A&M. And one of the reasons that the Tigers struggled, not only the fact that their defense did struggle, but their offense never really found a rhythm because it was, you know, Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence whack-a-mole for their offense. That sort of thing is not something I want to see happen with Alabama, so I would really like an explanation. Of course, we won't get one. And hopefully that will change. I, you know, Alabama could rotate quarterbacks against Ole Miss because I, another Ole Miss is going to score some points on the Alabama defense. But I'm sorry, southeast directional school that Ole Miss played yesterday, whose name escapes me because I simply don't care, scored 38 points. And then Matt Luke had the absolute audacity in the press conference to come in and be like, well, I'm really proud of my team. We came out on defense and didn't do as bad in the second half. And I'm like, you literally could have played 11 drunk sorority girls from the Grove and you couldn't have been as bad. That, that, is, that is how poor the Ole Miss defense was. So, you know, in that context, yes, Ole Miss will play better because it's Alabama. But their ceiling is very low. So, okay, Ole Miss goes and scores 30 on Alabama's defense. The Tide fan base melts down, sad days, and then Alabama goes and scores 60 or 70 on the Ole Miss defense in return. 
I think that's a pretty good spot to be in. It's a good day to be an Alabama fan. It's a good time to be an Alabama fan. Yeah, there are things that Alabama needs to work on. But Nick Saban's paid $11 million to worry about that stuff. And he knows more than I do about this game, this here game of football. So I'm going to let him do his thing and just be like, you do you, I'll cheer. And I'm good. I'm, at that point, you, you know, what is it the, the, the phrase the kids use? I'm Gucci. So, you know, that, those are my thoughts, Drew. And thanks for bringing me on again. Yeah, no problem, Thomas, always. And uh, I'm going to let William uh, have his closing comments before I give my grades. Uh, William, your overall thoughts on the performance of this Alabama football team uh, and uh, what you think, uh, what, what, what you're looking for heading uh, into Oxford, Mississippi for the SEC opener on the road? Well, like I said before, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Nick did a really good job of, uh, you know, scheduling this these first two games leading mm-hmm. up to, uh, you know, the trip to Oxford. You know, but both teams had, uh, you know, quarterbacks. They both pushed the ball down the field. They both had big wide receivers. Um, you know, you saw what the response was. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a work in progress on the defensive side of the football with all the moving parts that we've discussed. You know, a new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, three other, you know, new defensive coaches. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've performed. When you look at the only stat that I factor into, uh, which is points given up per game, which through two games has been 10.5, um, they've lived up to and maybe even exceeded my expectations a little bit because um, maybe I spent too much time buying into uh, what a liability the DBs were going to be. Now, you know, the competition ramps up a little bit, you know, this Saturday with the trip to Ole Miss. Um, you know, they've got a very good quarterback. In my opinion, probably the best wide receiver room in college football. But that's all they've got. Um, maybe outside of a, of, of a, of a you know, first-round draft pick and Greg Little. Um, I, you know, I just – especially when you look at that stat where – you know, Southern Illinois was able to rush for 250 yards to go along with their 400 yards of passing. Um, that tells me that Alabama, if they do get up, you know, 21, 28 points, it can really slow the pace of play down and, uh, you know, kind of grind the clock out and, and limit the amount of possessions um, that, that Old Miss would have in the second through the fourth quarters. And, uh, yeah, you know, I just think it's going to be a – you know, a 48 to 30, uh, you know, type game. You know, maybe Alabama doesn't cover the 22 that Vegas has laid out there right now as the point spread. But I do expect it to be a uh, kind of a statement game for, for Alabama's opening SEC, you know, uh, first game of the year on the road. You know, in a pretty tough place to win over the last seven or eight years in Oxford. Um, I just don't see this Ole Miss team being able to challenge Alabama um, at all three levels outside of having a quarterback and some wide receivers. You know, this isn't the 2015 Ole Miss team, you know, that had a Robert Kimdichie, uh, you know, a Terry Connor, you know, those type of players on the defensive side of the football. Um, You know, they don't have those type of guys. And I expect Alabama to uh, be able to impose their will on Ole Miss, especially in the second half. Yeah, and then I think also uh, it'll be good for Alabama to go into a hostile environment. They tend to play really well on the road under Nick Saban. And 
anxious to see how a lot of these young guys react. You played in Oxford. I'm I, I'm probably going to be making my first trip to cover a game in at in uh, in the uh, play, the home of the Grove and then uh, in Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Uh, what's what's the atmosphere like at Ole Miss? You played there. You know, for a smallish stadium, I mean, it, it's a you know, especially if they're having some success. Right. Um, it's it's a tough place to play. I mean, they get rowdy, they get loud. Um, you know, I think my senior year when we went over there in '93, that was um, an atmosphere, it was buddy. Of, it, it was it was kind of a closely contested ball game, and um, you know, the, the state trooper uh, patrol uh, that we had with us from the Alabama State Troopers. You know, they noticed it before we did. Um, you know, there were fists of Jack Daniel whiskey bottles being tossed out of the, the stadium onto the sidelines. And, you know, we were instructed uh, to put our helmets on when we went into the locker room at halftime and when we came out of it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're nasty and they can get ugly. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if you get some sort of traffic violation uh, in and out of there, Drew. But it can, it, it's, it's a tough place to play, especially if they're having some success. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch this young team. And I'm anxious to see him, though. I'm anxious to see two on the road and, and see what he can do uh, in that game. I, I think, from, for me, I think uh, for my grades for Alabama, I give Alabama's offense an A. The only small, you know, situation where they, you know, they didn't, uh, where you can ding them a little bit, you know, Jalen did lose a fumble, but still, I mean, they moved the football. And while the running game, you know, wasn't consistent at times, they still rushed for well over 200 yards. Uh, they, they dropped 57 points. Well, 50, one was a pick six. Still 50 points on the board uh, for that tied offense. Very good job. Uh, defensively, I'm going to give them uh, probably an A-. minus. They only gave up seven points uh, to a team that won the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, they, they had a pick six. You know, they, so they, 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 were, they were able to force mistakes and turnovers. I thought they played a lot of guys. You know, there were some people that saying they're not dominant. But uh, that offense, they made them look worse than they are. Justice Hans is a very good quarterback. The, some people believe he has a potential to maybe play in the NFL. And Alabama harassed him all game. Dylan Moses sacked him. They pressured him. Uh, and I just really feel like uh, that Alabama defensively took some steps forward. Of course, special teams going to probably have to be a C minus you can't miss two extra points the punting wasn't good but uh, I thought Joe Bulavos did a great job stabilizing the kicking they didn't get a lot done out of the kick return game uh, but certainly uh, they uh, you know they I thought the kick coverage was pretty good they didn't give up big plays there uh, and I thought overall it was a very workmanlike performance for Alabama uh, against an opponent that you know some people thought they put up some points on the tie but it was really over uh, by the middle of the second quarter, and now they're off to Oxford, Mississippi. I still think Alabama's going to hang half a hundred on the Rebels. I, my prediction would be somewhere along the lines of 52 to 20. I think Ole Miss will score, but I think Alabama will be ready and will take care of business. And I think they're going to go to Oxford, and as one of my favorite terms is burn it to the ground. And I think that's what they're going to do. And I think the secondary should have a chip on their shoulder because they're going to they're going to hear about these receivers from Ole Miss all week. And so certainly they're going to try to come out and make a statement against those guys. And I just really think that Alabama, this is a good matchup for the Tide. I think Ole Miss is soft as butter, and they should be able to handle the Rebels. And then Texas A&M is a different deal. They were really impressive against a good Clemson team. Let's see how they t- handle that loss and see if they bounce back and play well next week. But 
certainly Texas A&M uh, will be uh, probably a bigger challenge than Ole Miss, especially if Kellen Mond is starting to gain his footing. But uh, the last thing I wanted to say before we close down this BAMS radio, I had a chance to go to the Hoover-Thompson game, William, and cover it live uh, and see Talia Tungavailoa uh, go against that uh, Hoover machine. And certainly Hoover was very impressive with the 45-26 victory. Uh, but I was very impressed with the Talia, especially considering I thought they didn't try to run the ball enough and they really put too much on him. But 34 of 59 passing, 462, four touchdowns, only one interception, which happened late in the fourth quarter as he was trying to get his team back within one score. I thought Amari Kite, the left tackle, was very good. And then Will Reichert, the kicker for Hoover, coming to Alabama. Every kickoff through the end zone, uh, his one punt led to a turnover that led to a short touchdown for Hoover. And then he did an outstanding job with a 41-yard field goal that would have been good from 50. So I thought overall those three guys were really impressive uh, that are going to be uh, future members of the Crimson Tide. What were your thoughts on what you uh, heard and saw from uh, Talia Tungavailoa? No, I mean, I watched it on TV, and, you know, it was obvious that, that uh, Talia doesn't have the same group of wide receivers that he had last year. He didn't get a lot of help right. out of those guys. I thought it was maybe a, you know, not not the best game plan that I've seen from Mark Freeman. He put all the pressure on Leah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, obviously the Thompson defense wasn't up to the task, but um, I still think Leah is the best quarterback in the state for, for the 2019 recruiting class. Yeah, I think he shows a lot of potential. I, I don't mind his height. I hope he's going to keep growing, but he was tr- he was tremendous when you think about keeping his team in the game and then having seven to nine drops in the game by his wide receivers. He could have thrown for over 500 yards. One of them, I think, would have certainly been a touchdown. So just a very good uh, uh, you know job by Talia overall. And I don't think they can beat Hoover, but they can still have a really good year under Mark Freeman. We'll see if they can run the table going forward but it's been a great bams radio tonight we want to thank all the listeners we appreciate it we've been i know the listenership's continuing to grow we appreciate the support of this podcast we wouldn't be able to do it without thomas watts and his uh, ability to produce and keep us going uh certainly we want to thank william barger for joining us tonight and taking the time out and i always love talking alabama football and letting everyone hear our thoughts and opinions on it we'll come to you next sunday after the game in oxford uh, you know, and uh, I'll have my report and what I saw in Oxford, Mississippi, and uh, from on a firsthand basis, and tell you what uh, the Crimson Tide, uh, you know, how they're progressing. We'll have a lot of comp- thought and conversation after that huge game. But we always appreciate everyone. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Continue to continue to watch the NFL as the Bears and Packers have just now about to kick off, uh, and uh, they just started. Uh, the Packers have uh, already had one possession. It's still nothing, nothing uh, in the uh, home of uh, Green Bay, but we really appreciate everybody for listening. Good night and roll tide.